If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to uh, continue from where we finished last week. We're going to read verse 10 and then go on from there. Philippians 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For, as I have often told you before, and now say again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I joy and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Dave. Great. Thanks, Roland. Well, it's good to be with you again this morning. Uh, if we haven't met, my name's Dave. I'm part of a church in Leeds called City Church. And it's our joy to be with you together. Uh, you'll find it really helpful to have your, the Bible passage open in front of you, but let's pray as God speaks through his word. Our gracious Father, how we praise you that you speak to us. How we praise you that you reveal to us the Lord Jesus through your word. And we long to hear and to rejoice and to be made more like the Lord Jesus as we hear your word this morning. And we pray that you would do that by your spirit to your glory. Amen. Well, you probably don't know because you don't know me very well yet, but I really enjoy cycling. Uh, it's kind of hard to fit that around the kids, but every so often I'll get out on a really long bike ride. And sometimes I'll get out on a, a long bike ride and it'll turn out to be uh, kind of a bit longer than I'd sort of anticipated. 
and I'll have been up and down part a few hills and we'll get there and I'll think, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it to the end of this bike ride. I'm going to finish sat on the verge by the side of the road. And there's a point where the, the wonderful thing happens on the bike ride and it's that point where you think, I know that I'm going to make it. And where, where we lived, you kind of, you come on the way back, you have to come up this big hill to get to our house. And usually when I'm near the top of that hill, you think, I'm going to make this. I'm not there yet, but I know that I'm going to make it. But just knowing that we're going to make it, that's not enough, is it? That doesn't actually get me back home, back to the front door. I've got to keep going to get there. But it's knowing that I can make it that will get me across that finish line. And I want you to take that image with you this morning as we come to, to Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Uh, maybe you've been around for some of the series and you'll have seen throughout this letter that Paul is absolutely focused on one thing. Paul's mind is totally set upon the Lord Jesus. Jesus motivates Paul. Jesus keeps him serving. Jesus keeps him going through suffering. And Paul's life is all about the Lord Jesus. And as we read through Philippians 2, there's that challenge for us. Is everything we're about, is everything we do set upon the Lord Jesus? If you were here last week, we saw that. We, we read about it in verses 10 and 11 this morning. That Paul sees the Christian life as this, this race, this journey towards his goal. And more than just getting home at the end of his bike ride, it is the journey towards his goal. Uh, look with me at verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And in all that we see in this letter, Paul is, is longing and striving towards knowing Christ and the resurrection from the dead. That Christian hope that each one of us will be raised up with new bodies. But I want us just to pause for a moment and, and think of your Christian life a little bit like my bike ride. And I wonder where you are on that course. I, I wonder maybe you're a visitor here. Maybe you're not someone who'd call yourself a Christian. And you're just looking on and thinking, what's this all about? What would it be like? Maybe you're a new Christian and you see the journey in front of you and you think, what, what is it going to be like? Maybe you've been on that journey for years. And maybe you are staring at the journey in front of you, the Christian life in front of you, and thinking, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it to the end? Or am I just going to give up by the side of the road? And as we look at this passage this morning, we're going to see what Paul says to us about that, that we can keep going to the end. So I want you to look down at, at verses 12 to 16, and we're going to see press on, towards the right goal. Press on towards the right goal. 
<coughs> so look at verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this. I'm not there yet. Or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And Paul is working and striving and running for this goal of the resurrection. But he knows he's not there yet. He knows in order to reach that the wonderful goal, the prize of the Lord Jesus, he's got to keep going. And it means that, that keeping going in the Christian life, it, it, it's not like a stroll in the park. It is a striving, a, a running towards the goal to keep our eyes fixed on where we're going. And what we see in the life of Paul, that his Christian journey was a tough ride, wasn't it? And maybe you read these verses and you think, well, hang on a second. Does this mean that Paul, even the great Paul, does this mean that Paul is not sure he's going to make it? Is Paul living his Christian life in, in a state of anxiety? Just not knowing if he'll make it to the resurrection. What? no. That's not the picture here, is it? The picture that Paul has is of one who can see the finish line. He can see the finish line and he knows that he can reach it. And he's running the last bit of the course with joy because he knows that he's going to make it. And you say, well, how can he be certain? Because the Lord Jesus has taken hold of him. Because God has called him towards the prize. Because God's power is at work in him. And Paul suffers that ongoing struggle and pain of the Christian life because he knows the certainty of the prize set before him. Well, is this something that's just for Paul? Or what about the rest of us? Well, it's so clear as as we look through this letter, that Paul writes about his experiences, his, his values, his desires. He writes to show that this is what the normal Christian life is like. This is what the normal Christian life is like. That we expect the running to be hard, but the certainty of the prize of the resurrection. He says that in verse 15, doesn't he? All of us then who are mature, should take such a view of things. And the mature here, it's not meant to be a kind of special class of Christians, like you've got the normal and the mature. It's just his shorthand for everyone who sees God at work in their Christian life. That we too are on a race where the finish is certain. If that's not clear, let me read to you 1 verse 6. I think this is your theme verse for the year, so you should know this. Although it is only February, so maybe not yet. But Paul writes, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion unto the day of Christ Jesus. And this is Paul's promise. This is Paul's promise to the Philippians and to the churches. If God has begun to work in you, if he has started you on the Christian race, he will see that through to the end. He will see that through to the end. 
Well, what does this mean then that the Christian life will feel like? Friends, it means it will feel like an effort. It means it will feel like a hard ride where we set our eyes upon the goal, but we've not made it yet. And let me read to you what I read this week about the, the training of Olympic athletes. So I read this. U- U.S. gymnast Simone Biles trains for 32 hours a week with one day off. I don't think I could do 32 minutes of gymnastics, but there you go. Um, gymnast Gabby Douglas trains from 8 a.m. till noon, takes a break to lunch, then continues training after dinner. Michael Phelps practices every single day in the pool for three to six hours, doing separate exercises on land four to five days a week. Cyclist Kristen Armstrong has said she rides 20 to 25 hours a week, practicing for 10 days before taking a break. That's a lot of training, isn't it? What's the point? They are working and striving and pushing towards the goal. And they don't even know they're going to make it, do they? And yet for us, the Christian life is pushing forwards to a certain goal. And I wonder sometimes if we can be tempted to think that the the Christian life is just a way to have it all. Now, we would never say it like that, would we? But I experienced this, so perhaps you do as well. We focus so much on the kind of the, the blessings of life and the Christian life, uh, that the, the Christian life becomes a kind of add-on to the things we already have. So we start to think, well, this is brilliant. Uh, my house is pretty much sorted. The car's running well. Job seems pretty stable. Holiday's booked. And I've got eternal salvation to look forward to. It's great. Everything is going well for me. I have pretty much made it. I can kick back and relax. And that's not the case for those guys in the Olympics, is it? And that's not the case for us either. And we do have these wonderful blessings, but the Christian life is striving forwards in the way of the cross. It is a life straining to sacrificially serve others. A life straining for one another in this church family. A life straining to give up time and money and effort and comfort to serve the Lord Jesus. Because we are pressing on to the right goal. And so our lives as Christians are not static, are they? Because until the Lord Jesus returns, we're not there yet. Now, as I look out upon you this morning, I I don't know many of you very well, but I can confidently say two things. Firstly, if you are a Christian here this morning, the Lord Jesus has taken hold of you and called you to his heavenly goal, and you will get there. You will get there. Perhaps you're feeling weary and burdened, that you might just stop by the side of the road, the Lord Jesus will finish his good work in you. We forget what is behind, that our past failures cannot stop us, 
and we look forward towards the goal. But the second thing, as I look out, none of us has made it yet. Paul hadn't made it yet when he wrote this. None of us has made it yet either. We're not there yet. We haven't yet reached the goal. No matter how old you are in the faith, no matter how long you've been here, no matter how much serving you've done in the past, we're each of us striving forwards towards the goal. Knowing that the Lord Jesus will get us there. That we keep running the Christian life of, of service and suffering and sacrifice and joy. Just that day by day, week by week rhythm of obedience and prayer and love. Our past failures don't stop us. Our past successes don't mean that we're there yet. We have a race to run in the power of the Lord Jesus. And this is an encouragement to all of us, perhaps especially to those of you who are older. You're not there yet. I, I will look at the ceiling as I say, those of you who are older. I'm not looking at anyone in particular, but you're not there yet. Those of us who are younger, we're not there yet. There will be a time of glorious rest. But we're not there yet. And then now this is not a message of kind of joyless trudge and hard work on the journey. It is a message of a joyful obedience because the end is in sight. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Think of what the Lord Jesus has brought us to. Think what blessing we have in the Lord Jesus that we are righteous in his sight, that we are adopted in his family. The Lord Jesus' blood poured out for us. This is what it means. Let us live up to what we've already obtained. Think of the wonders that we have. As each day we face those choices about what to do, how to behave. We press on and live up to what we've already obtained. Pressing on towards the right goal. And we press on by following the right example. We press on by following the right example. Just look with me at verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Now we know, don't we, that we don't have the Lord Jesus physically here with us now. Uh, we don't have Paul physically here with us now. We don't even know what he looked like. And maybe you end up thinking, well, this sounds great, but what does it actually look like? What does this kind of look like in, in normal life in 21st century Britain? And Paul helps us with that, doesn't he? He says, press on by following the right example and by watching out for the wrong example. And we know that, don't we? That we see what the Christian life looks like by following others. If we're younger in the Christian faith, often by following those who are older. Let me tell you about Robert. Uh, Robert's a member of our church. Uh, Robert's 85. He's been a member of our church in Leeds since the church was founded, so at least 50 years. And over that time, he has spent countless hours working on the church building. And we've got a, a kind of room in the one of the basements, and it has a wall down the middle of it. And he said he's 
knocked, either knocked the wall down or rebuilt it three or four times while we've rearranged the building. He spent countless hours encouraging people in Bible studies. Robert spent countless hours helping younger Christians or, or leading prayers or just encouraging. And two weeks ago, one of our, our service leaders interviewed him at the front of the service about his, his Christian walk. And it was so great to be there. It was just so compelling to listen to the account of his Christian life. His faithfulness, his lifelong sacrifice, his obedience. And so if I want to know what does being a Christian look like in older age, I can go and talk to Robert. And this is the point that Paul is making. Who are those people in this church who live like Paul did? Who serve the Lord Jesus? I wonder, maybe as you look around the church, who are we tempted to be like? Maybe we are tempted, I want to be like the Christians who seem more successful, who seem like they've got a bigger job or a better house. They're married and I'm not. They've got kids and I haven't. Are we looking around and following those striving to be like the Lord Jesus? To be honest, if we looked at Paul... I don't think many of us would instinctively have wanted his life. You read Acts, it just seems to be a count of went here, got beaten up, got in prison, moved on. Doesn't seem like a life we'd instinctively want to follow. And yet this is the call to follow those who give up and who sacrifice for the sake of others. Why? Because that's the way of the cross, isn't it? That is the way of the Lord Jesus. Suffering and obedience now, glory later. That we press on by following those who follow Jesus. And did you see the warning of following the wrong example? This is a somber bit, but we need to listen to it. So look down at verses 18 to 19. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Paul is giving us a warning here, isn't he? That in our Christian lives, we are going to be tempted not to walk the way of the cross. We're going to be tempted to follow those who are heading for destruction. Now, I've got to say, I read a, a few bits. There's a couple of, uh, of ideas about this. So there are some people who say that these are the people boasting in their kind of human religious achievements that we saw last week. Uh, there are some other people who say, uh, that's not what it's talking about. It's about people who are living for themselves. Uh, for my money, I think it's probably more like that, that to live as enemies of the cross is to walk away from the life of self-sacrifice and walk towards the life of, of self-indulgence. And this is somber, isn't it? But it is a warning. That the life where the food we eat, the things we get, the experiences that we have, that that becomes central to us. That, that glorying in our shame means uh, seeking after all the things that the world thinks are wonderful. And that is so easily done, isn't it? Maybe we sit here and we, oh, we wish we were 
somehow more attractive. We wish we had more power to boss people around at work. We wish we could afford more fashionable clothes or better holidays. All the things that the world delights in. How feeble they look compared to the the path of self-sacrifice leading to the glory of the cross. And yet, which path are we tempted to walk in? And Paul is reminding us and, and warning us and encouraging us, when we look around for role models, are we following those who are following the self-sacrifice of the cross? Or we press on by following the right example? And we may wonder, well, that sounds so hard. Why? Why is it worth it? Why is it worth it? Friends, it is worth it because on our long ride, on our, our long striving in the Christian life, we can see the finish line and it is glorious. It is so glorious. Uh, so when I get back from my bike rides, I'll come in, I'll probably have a stretch my aches and pains, and if I'm feeling very lavish, I'll have some tea and some cake, and I will have it with cheese because that's the right thing to do. You probably don't do that. But, you know, funnily enough, that the Christian life is about so much more, so much of a great and glorious goal. And we're going to spend the final few minutes rejoicing in that Christian hope. And from verse 20 to 4, verse 1, we press on with the right hope. We press on. Why did Paul strive forward with every nerve and every sinew in the Christian battle? Because the hope he saw was so wonderful. The joy that we have, the life that we live is so much more fabulous than anything out there can offer. Because we have a hope that will last. I'm 37 years old. That's not old. But already I fear that I've passed my my kind of physical peak. There are times I ache when I didn't used to. I can't kind of stay up late and and be just the same the next morning. I'm pretty sure that there are some of you who feel those aches and groans of a a sin-broken world far more than I do. Maybe there are those here in chronic pain, those with mental health struggles, those with just lasting grief. And there is a longing for the end of the journey. And Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. Did you see what Paul said about the hope here? It is solid and concrete and physical. It's not a vague hope that when we die, we'll turn into stars or we'll float around with the angels. We are looking forward to a concrete, solid, physical hope, waiting for our weak and feeble bodies to be transformed, to be resurrected into wonderful new bodies in God's glorious new creation. Just like we see happen to the Lord Jesus. Do you know, I wonder if we think about this enough, that we have a wonderful 
physical future to look forward to, a world of tastes and, and sights and smells and, and beauty and splendor, and a world with the Lord Jesus, our Savior, right at the center that he will bring us to. We live in this world, but we are citizens of God's kingdom. We have another ruler. We have another set of priorities. We march to a different drum. Apparently, in, in 2019, about 50,000 UK residents were granted an Irish passport. That's more than eight times as many than 2015. You could probably work out why that was. Why? Because citizenship is important. In the ancient world, the really big deal was being a citizen of Rome. That's the world that Paul's writing into. It wasn't that one day you'd kind of move to Rome. It gave you the rights and the privileges and the protection and the certainty of the, uh, the most powerful fighting force in the world at the time was on your side. And that is the picture that Paul leaves us with here. This is what our citizenship brings. The certainty of the hope that we have because of the power of our king, our ruler. And we can be certain of our Christian journey because the power of God will bring about a glorious resurrection. Maybe you're here today and you feel weary. Maybe you feel like sitting down by the side of the road. Maybe you are struggling with sin and guilt and failure. Friends, that destination is certain. Are we subtly living for the valleys of this world? We are citizens of a different kingdom that values different things. Are we looking forward with joy because the hope is sure and certain? We look forward to the arrival of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, with joy and longing and eager expectation. We press on to the right goal. We press on following the right examples and we press on with the right hope. Let me read 4 verse 1, and then we'll pray. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, how we praise you for the certainty that we have in the Lord Jesus. Father, we confess how often we're tempted by the things of this world. How often we're tempted not to follow the way of the cross. But we praise you for the certainty that we have. And may we continue to press forward, striving to win the prize that you have called us to. And we pray that, that you might be glorified in your church to the glory of your name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing together a hymn that reminds us of the hope that we have. It's an older hymn.